Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth last NRL podcast. Getting on the home stretch now, Brock. We are three fifths of the way through the season. Twelve rounds down, eight rounds to go. Some good games on the weekend. Some close results. Uh, one or two blowouts, and uh, a couple of teams down the bottom end fighting back. Yeah, a couple of upsets. We're hitting that time where some teams are starting to get a little bit fatigued, and uh, the the better sides are resting some players, and those. Bottom sides are under a bit of pressure and coaching changes. And, yeah, there's a whole heap of different things happening at the moment. We've just had the deadline uh, or end and we've seen some player transfers. So, yeah, it's sort of moving time and now we're firmly on the on the run home, aren't we? Yep, 100%. And uh, as we do with every episode, if you join us for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular, you know how this works. Set of six, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about and tackle one in that set of six is just that. The deadline day obviously moved this year with the COVID season. Any of the changes wrapped up uh, as of yesterday. And some last-minute moves obviously came about. We saw Sonny Bill get back in. A couple of guys transfer clubs, but right on deadline day, a couple of bigger ones that come in very, very late. Uh, Blake Green, especially. Right at the death. We heard earlier in the year that the Warriors were looking to move on from people that were linked with Isaac Moses. The coach was one. Some players were going to be targeted. He personally wanted to talk to the owner when that came about and to see whether that was just going to be the case. Out and out, it had nothing to do with his football or anything else. If that was going to be the case, basically said, well, I'd like to pursue an opportunity elsewhere if possible. Given their situation, Newcastle losing a couple of hookers, having man possibly having to be moved there. They've uh, gone out and got Blake Green, which I think is a really, really good move right at the death. Fantastic move from the Knights. It's a head scratch from the Warriors. Like, it shouldn't matter who you manage by. If if you think he's the, one of the, you know, the fit for your roster and you've signed him and he's playing fairly well, I, I've got no idea why you'd be letting him go and moving him on, particularly at the moment. But I guess if they want to free up that money, at, at the moment they're also... Coachless, so they don't really have a head coach yeah, saying, well, you know, no, I want him, or yes, I, I do, or whatever. So it's made the club's uh, decision a lot easier because they've just made it on their own volition. I also guess for them it's time to finally invest in Tavita Harris then because he's been in, he's out, he's in, he's out. Nick Arima's been in and out. Well, I know who I'd rather so the rest, out of those three. Oh, I'm with you, but for the rest of this year, they're just going to have to actually give him some game time and... Mm. See how that plays out, and yeah, obviously the coaching thing will get onto it. Well, can I agree with the you know the fear around managers and, but you know that when you're signing all of them, 
That's up to you to be strong enough when a manager says, well, if you want him, that's, that's my you point, need to take yeah. That's up to you. If they put themselves in that situation, they want to get out of it, fair enough. But at the same time, mm. if you think you can keep a player without keeping the others or he wants to stay or you're the best option, forget the manager, take all that out of it. If he wants to be there and you want him to be there, the manager's not going to have the final say. The player will tell their manager, I want to be here. Yeah. So um, he was probably the biggest move. Melbourne Storm, last minute. A second player from the Toronto Wolfpack now back. Sonny Bill was the first. Ricky Latelli, the second. There was some Amin and Ari a couple of days ago. Bit of a blow up by some people, first of all, going, well, it's a double standard that Sonny Bill can come back, but Melbourne can't get Ricky Latelli. Then when Ricky Latelli was confirmed, everyone's now saying that the Roosters and the Who are we talking about? Who's everyone? Are being fav- ah, you see media, other bits and pieces. Oh, I just think it's stupid. And the other thing that keeps coming up again, they should have to go to the Warriors. They should have to go to the Dogs. They should have to go here. You can't make somebody. Go to a club. What is the point also of yeah, going... Yeah, if I'm a player coming in, I don't want to go to one of those teams. You wouldn't bother coming back. No. But in Ricky Latelli's situation, his is probably good just for his livelihood in general because the story being, a lot of those Wolfpack players haven't been paid in months. He's behind on rent. He's locked up in Manchester. His visa's about to run out. They're between Toronto and London. So this is a way out of there. And by the sounds of it last night, looking at him on the news when he did his interview, they desperately want to get out of the country. So... Melbourne, bit of an injury crisis with centers. Momorowski had the hand or finger injury. He's out for 12 weeks. Branko Lee, two to three weeks. Seve had an ear cut on the weekend that requires surgery. So they've lost three centers in a short space of time. Pick up a veteran. Uh, you know, I think he played probably mid-hundreds or lower 100 games there at the Sharks over a period of time there. Played against Melbourne in that grand final. I think he's mm. 30, 31 now. So from their perspective, I guess good move when you need depth or you got a couple of injuries, but by the time he gets back, I think they were saying today, he may not be back on a plane until next week. Mm. So there's there's two weeks on top of that. That's round 15, 16, and he didn't play any games or train since March with the Wolfpack setup. So as to how useful he's going to be or if they'll get to use him before finals time or other guys get healthy, I don't know. But I guess they're shoring up their roster and he gets to come home. Uh Kurt Baptiste reunited with Canberra, so maybe they're not happy with Harvilli and uh, Starling for the rest of the year. They've gone back to somebody they know. Mm. He left the year before to go back to play Queensland Cup, also again COVID affected. So Baptiste back in the fold. Yeah, if you're relying on him, you're in trouble. It's a third hooking option. Um, And other than that, I think there's a few that we already kind of knew about. Jed Cartwright was finally confirmed. He left a couple of days ago to head over south for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, we heard about it a few weeks ago, but it's only yeah. just sort of happened. I thought that was already done. And yeah, with so that, do I. The Panthers have upgraded uh, another player into their top 30 since Ellis, and now the removal of Jed Cartwright. Lindsay Smith has now been upgraded into the top 30 for the Penrith Panthers. Yeah. So I think he was named last week close to a debut, local junior. Yeah. Um, been in the system. Westfield Sports High. For a long time. Had a couple of shoulder surgeries that delayed in the last few years, but he came back last year, played 19 games of flag, and now in the top 30. So mm. they continue to make moves with some of their young talent. But yeah, out of all those moves, I think, you know, people talked about Sonny Bill the week before, this, that, and the other. I think the most significant for any of those clubs, not as far as, you know, title hopes or winning a premiership, but given the spot they're at right now, falling out of the eight and in a bit of a rut, is Blake Green for Newcastle. In a time where you've lost a couple of hookers, there's a lot more pressure on Pierce to take control of the side. You've got man who's been great at six, but you know now did a good job the other week at nine for the dogs and might be the best option for now, creatively and spark wise. You get Green there to share the kicking, share the load, bring another steering wheel, and just bring in a calming influence in a side that probably needs it right now. 
So yeah, absolutely. That, that, no, that's argument. definitely the big move, I think, today to help them try. And- yeah, huge. I think that brings them back into relevancy. Uh, and let's just see how it goes. It's just uh, they needed a piece. They've, they've lost a few, uh, particularly last week against the Bulldogs, thrown on top of the Braley injury. So it, put plain and simply, how it works and how it fits is irrelevant, really. They just needed another piece. It's a free move, really. Yeah. They get him for the rest of the season. They get to figure out maybe they want to keep him. Maybe well, it's, it works it's been a bit well of a hole because Mann's played across multiple positions. I think Mann and been Pierce. short uh, in that halves position for the majority of the year. You're having Ponga sort of sliding in and around there and having to play a little bit of half. I think this will just fix one side of the field. It gives you a steering wheel for Newcastle. Yeah, two I like it. games. I think, again, it's basically a free loan here. You get a crack at him. You see if you like it. They possibly keep him. I don't know, or they're happy next year when Braley comes back that they've got the piece there to go back to what they were doing at the start of the year. Yeah, and whatever you think of Mitchell Pearce, he's more a runner than he's a, an organiser and a passer. He always has been. More, probably more of a, a six than he is a seven. And Green is an out-and-out out seven. So yeah. I think they'll mix and gel quite well. Yeah, they definitely need a bit of help. But if anything, that'll hopefully shore up them holding in the finals at all. We were talking last week, the top four is probably out of the realms of possibility. But finals... I think the Newcastle fans, the coach, everyone would be devastated if they fell out. So this is yeah. a good move to try and shore that up. Yeah. Uh, tackle two. The Warriors and Todd Payton. Uh, interesting interview last night, obviously, that some people may have seen. Apparently, they went on air first and he was talking that he was in the process for the job and it was ongoing. And then they re-recorded and he wanted to go live and said that he was offered the Warriors job when we're hearing that you know mm. that was still going on and he knocked it back about a week ago. Yeah, 10 days ago. So the reasoning... Being personal reasons, his wife's father uh, is going through some chemotherapy. They're looking to come back to Australia, but it was I yeah, don't know. strange. Look, it was confusing. Has he has he done the interview, then spoken to someone from the club, and then yeah. they've said, "Well, mate, get on and just tell the truth." I, I don't know. Or has he had a bit of an epiphany and thought, "You know what? I'm just going to I'm just, just going to tell the truth." Yeah. So I, I have no issue with what he said. I don't know why he was being sheepish in letting those details go. Neither do I, but it, it certainly put a lot of people's noses straight away to regardless of... Or he's had a phone call in the time being saying that you've got this job or that job or what, whatever it is. Well, we knew weeks you ago know, that the Cowboys liked him from his time there and they were going to be yeah. interested. They're saying they've got a process, they're six or eight weeks away, it's not going to be a sham, it's going to be legitimate. But I dare say, from what we've heard now, he has to be, you know, somewhat informed or know something or know he's a pretty good chance or even if they haven't said it directly, that they think he's a very, very good chance of getting that job, or full stop, he just wants to come back to Australia. Yeah. But he said in that interview at the same time, he's got 12 more months there, and if that someone else gets the job, that he they have an NRL-ready coach as their assistant. So maybe he, if the Cowboys thing doesn't come to fruition, he does stay there for 12 more months and waits for a better opportunity. Maybe he's thinking, I don't want the Warriors job, I want the Cowboys job, but if I can't get that this interim period with all the difficulties and hurdles I faced gives me the best possible opportunity to get the next job that I want or put me in a better position that I've proved a point given the circumstances I've coached in. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I think a lot of people today, given what's happened, have got their sights firmly on him as a $1.05 favourite to be the Cowboys coach, mm. regardless of what's going on. So I don't know. Yeah. From here, though, for the Warriors, where do you go? They've been linked to Green, who, again, is a good coach, but giving his style, I don't think that works at the Warriors. And mainly just the fact that he's, you know, fairly aggressive, uh, fairly <laughs> disciplined and straight. Now, I don't know, a lot of people say they need a discipline and they're this, they need that. They need a bit of tough love at times, but you can't just bark at the Warriors at all times. It doesn't yeah. work. That's going to fall flat. 
they've linked Nathan Brown to it a hundred times. He said he's not interested in the job or he's not going to take that job. So take of that what you will. But he's obviously got some relationships at the club. Griffin, Sean Wayne through his hat the ring, all these bits and pieces, Rolls, all these names have been mentioned. They've said last week that they've contacted people that were unsuccessful, being the Walker brothers, being Griffin, being other people. Do they reach back into the bag now and talk to somebody? Well, you shouldn't be letting your candidates know that they've been until unsuccessful until the he's well, until he's accepted the job. So I just think it's a very unique position. Then Cameron George today clarified the situation, but also brought up something that I'm sure not many people have considered. If COVID keeps going, are they based in New Zealand next year? Are they based in Australia? Yeah. What What does the future look like for the Warriors in appointing a coach? What's the best case scenario? So things, I don't see why they need to appoint one until the end of the year. I get that. Who are they rushing to sign now? Things that is very complicated, I guess. I'd wait. I, I'd just wait. Yeah. I, I'd wait until the end of the year. I still throw out there that given the circumstances, possibly not much going on recruitment-wise and what is there, some young kids and just their natural skill that when the original talk came out about the Walker brothers getting a 12-month period to kind of prove their wares or whether their style could work, I don't see how that could harm the Warriors, if, particularly given the circumstances they've got right now. Mm. And if it doesn't work after 12 months and you don't think it's going to bear any fruit, you move on and you go for a big fish again. Yeah. But as far as the other candidates that are out there right now or ones that were linked to the job, who knows? Now that Peyton's kind of out of the loop and they've mentioned Bennett and a bunch of other big names that have obviously said they're not willing to go there, I don't know where they go. I really don't, but they're back to the drawing board. So yeah, just wait. Interesting. There's situation. no need to rush into a, a candidate because you may have someone get sacked or someone leave or someone call once you've appointed when you haven't had to that you would have signed over the person you've already appointed. It's, Until they're in a position where they must sign someone, then I, I don't know why they would rush in if they don't think they've got the right person yet. Just yeah, wait. Be that. patient. Tackle three, speaking of the Cowboys, that process has begun. They've basically clarified this week. As we said, it's not going to be some sham thing. It's not a walk-up start for Peyton. They've accepted applications. Apparently, they've got 20-plus, which I'm sure they've already culled down. They're going to approach other coaches if they haven't applied. They're going to get a shortlist, interviews, do a second round, and then make the process where they go on to getting their coach. And they're going to involve, obviously, their three big names, Lawrence Lansendi, Peter Parr, etc., all the guys on the football staff and a couple of ex-players, they're talking Matt Scott, Jonathan Thurston, to get to the end result. But a lot of people reckon they've already got three names in mind that are top candidates. Two of those in particular, again, one of them we've already just spoke about, Todd Payton's apparently very, very high on the list. And the other one is Jason Riles, who we've mentioned before, who's already linked with a job with Eddie Jones and English Rugby Union. But that's obviously another situation, again, we don't know about, given COVID moving forward. So Strange, man. Eddie Jones wants to coach in the NRL. I put it this way. If I'm Jason Riles, and I know that's probably a great position, good pay, new experience, different environment, a way to spread your wings, forget all everything that's going on. I'm not going to the UK, given the current situation. No, not now. There's no. no way I'm going to the UK. It could be better, but the way things are going right now, I'd be doing anything I could to say, look, I don't know what's going on, but I'm backing away from that We're situation. We're on an island. Let's stay here. The other thing for me, and you spoke about this this week, said it a million times, when does Bellamy retire? Is it next year? It's been mentioned a few times, but if it is literally his last year next year, is he a possible candidate to take over at the Storm? If well, they who hold else him is, in the who is going to do it? I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying. Like, it's his job. Given what's going on right now, if he doesn't like any of the jobs out there and forget you know, the rugby union thing full stop and COVID, I'm just, wait, I'm just staying in Australia. Yeah. And if not, if I'm the Dragons, we've already mentioned Fitzgibbon, he's another guy because they seem to have a heavy thing about getting ex-players in. Is he interested in that job? Mm-hmm. If he's not, I think your best case scenario... 
knock back the rugby union gig purely because of family and the whole situation that's going over in the UK, wait 12 months, and if Craig Bellamy moves on, he may be the successor at the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. But right now, it seems, in a race in two, they're the two that have been mentioned. Nathan Brown also linked to this job. I don't know if he'd be my top choice for the setup and the way things are there right now, um, but he's another one that's been mentioned. All those other names we've heard before, David Fairley, Tuvi Griffin, Walters Madge was even linked to it today, which he's vehemently denied. And I reckon a couple of other coaches that have currently got jobs have applied, which is pretty crazy to think. Mm. Um, that the Tigers and Madge in particular are on the front foot today, not happy with reports that uh, he was there and he's 100% committed, which I completely believe. But Cowboys, same deal. Your thoughts? Do you think Peyton is where they go? Do you think Brown or Rolls would be someone you'd look at as Walters? Someone you look at... Like, oh, look, at right now, the favourite have to be Todd Payton, Kevin Walters. They're probably the two that... Oh, I think one of those would get the job if I had to bet right now. Yeah. Oh, again, after anything that happened and don't point to the whole situation, but it just seems as though you'd be crazy to knock back a head coaching job, say you'll stay an assistant, say you want to come back to Australia and not have some sort of inkling or idea that you're a pretty good chance. Mm. I think he will end up being the Cowboys coach. I really do. But that process will play out and we'll know uh, by the end of the year. Josh Hanno obviously said he was going to push hard for the job and whether they can, are considering him or not, I guess we'll see through their football and what happens for the rest of the season. Yeah. But that's tackle three. Tackle four, moving on. The West Tigers situation, Madge Maguire. Uh, we spoke about it a few weeks ago and the changing and getting his point across and trying to get his tough style of football and tough love and the players he wants and, you know... Rotate this, rotate that, change your combinations, change this until you get what you want. First and foremost, I still don't think they've got the roster. Number two, I know a lot of people have brought up, well, Ivan Cleary left behind some bad deals. He's frustrated of that. He's frustrated of the club in general and how things are working. Yep, can 100% agree that he probably wants to move on from and buy Packer Reynolds and that would free up a big clump of money. But at the same time, the money he got this year to spend, I thought he spent poorly. Luciano seems like he's worked out to be a pretty decent buy so far. But giving away Lua big money in a long-term deal, I thought, was insanity. Mm. Uh, bringing Dewey over, I think Dewey's a good player, but again, they paid pretty high money to get him out of South. So you're talking up close to $700,000. For a guy who thinks he's a good footballer, but is he worth seven dollars $800,000 right now? I don't think so. No. So I get that, but yeah, any of the talk there. And I also think, from his own point of view, and I know he's pretty hard-headed and stubborn about all these things, you're not going to get much more out of this roster. You'd really not. So instead of chopping and changing and barking and demanding this and that and the other, look at what you've got. We've said it before. Figure out your best 17. Pick your best halves. Pick what is your best side moving forward and work with it. Yeah. Don't keep- look, we, we deal with this at junior rep level. You know, you, you don't you don't have squads as strong as some of those elite teams. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing here is, is that there's got to be alignment in your football staff and in your organisation about where the expectations are for the team's performance. I think Maguire's just been really hard on him in the effort areas and he's punishing players in the effort areas and he's trying to build a culture outside of talent. Like I think he's gonna he'll build the talent as he as best he can, but he's just trying to build a culture there of hard work, effort, and just those little one percenters that, you know, you know that you need within your culture and within your organization to win games when you do have a talented roster. So I see the end game here uh, for for Maguire, but um, you know whether he's pushing too hard and 
whether he's got expectations that are higher than what the team can actually produce. Yeah, it's great. Though, it's probably better to have higher expectations than lower expectations. You've also got to be realistic. So no, and that's my you point. Know, you, need, you, you need alignment in in where those expectations are around performance. And as soon as you've got one person who is too low or too high, things get thrown out. Someone's going to be upset. But also, again, that whole high intensity, you know. No nonsense, aggressive, demanding, demanding, demanding is all well and good. But you've also got to take into account they are fairly young as well. I think they're doing more than what I'd probably expect with some of that group. Mm. McKaylee's barely second season. Twile basically second season really starting. You McIntyre, who's now coming to the fold. Luciano's in his first real season starting. We've seen bits of Hoffman. You're seeing Tommy Talao now. There's a handful of guys, yes, who have played a bit of football. in Luke Brooks, Benji Marshall, who's a veteran, etc. But the bulk of what's running out or what he wants moving forward there, has realistically not played a whole lot of NRL. And if we're being honest, there's a point that everyone's made and it's pretty straightforward that their best player's not even at their club next year. He's been loaned in. Mm. So I, I think they're doing well with what they've got. But again, the frustration came out this week and a lot of stuff obviously seemed to start leaking in regards to it was the Titans game all over again. It was one they were expected to win. They started off red hot and they couldn't get the job done. But when they come up against these top eight sides... They come ever so close every single time, but they fall short. Yeah, They can't win those ones, but they also can't win the games they should win. And it's probably going to cost them finals again. But I think, yeah, as far as salary cap and the frustrations there and building the squad moving forward, I think you need to be smarter with your money. I know you can't get everyone they probably want to get, but I I did question a few of the moves in the offseason. I, I, would, I would have been keen to get Dewey as well, but not for what they paid. No, I wasn't keen on Joey Leilua at all and what's he done for him so far. Yeah, he's been suspended a couple of times. He's been piss poor defensively. And I don't know what he's like within a group, but I highly doubt he's bringing a whole lot of good culture-wise and development-wise to the rest of the players. So I think a little bit more patience. Um, work with those young guys. Get the better ones in there. Work with your best pair of halves. The hooker situation, again, that's something they're going to have to address very, fairly soon. They like Little. He's come off a couple of major injuries. Harry Grant's going to be moving on. Do they go to market? Do they go with Little? Just Walters go back there. Like they need, I think you need to start working towards some of these things. Yeah. But Endgame, he is a very intense character. Um, but yeah, I, I think, again, expectations may be a little bit too high for what he's got there. And just be smarter and maybe it's a bit of a slow burn. And if the Tigers don't understand that, they're crazy as well. Yeah. I think they did understand that when they had Ivan there. And obviously, it's probably set them back a little bit because he came and went within a short period of time. And now Maguire's going to take a year or two to get things the way he wants it. But... Uh, yeah, just I just worry it sometimes that Madge is maybe a little too too intense for his own good. Mm. So, West Tigers fans, uh, yeah, frustrating weekend, but hopefully moving forward they can make some moves, clear out some players, and like you said, see the end game, and hopefully it's a good result. Tackle five, fairly quiet so far, but Bennett versus Seabold in the past has been very interesting, very very interesting, and this year, COVID, pre-COVID, they played each other. Broncos got home since then. Souths have had plenty of injuries, some up and down performances. Apache year been very, very error prone. The Broncos, we know, has just been an absolute disaster. Constant changes, suspensions, injuries, different stories every week, and it's been no different this week. Uh, Milford out today, and the Katoni Stags video coming out, and obviously at the moment it looks like he's going to be cleared. It's uh, been released on the other side by uh, the girl in the whole situation, but. The Broncos just can't keep themselves out of the headlines, but very surprised not to hear too much about this because generally these two always go back and forth. Not yet. I reckon someone will light the fuse tomorrow, probably Bennett. 
uh, and it'll be on. And there's animosity there, and I expect that to continue. Uh, and there's a lot of pressure on whoever wins this game. Like, Souths aren't flying. I know the Broncos have had their struggles, clearly, but Souths aren't flying either. So it doesn't surprise me that Bennett's been a little bit quiet and, you know, Demetrio's been quiet. They've all sort of thrown their barbs in the last 12 months. But um, in the end, that's not where each team's focus should be. It's got to be on the field, get the win. shouldn't matter who you're playing. It should be all about the performance and trying to get seasons back on track. I mean, Brisbane probably are out of top eight contention, but Seabold's trying to save his job. And Bennett is trying to get this side into the eight. And at the moment, they're no no lock to land in the eight. No, definitely not. Looking forward to that one. Hopefully some fireworks as always, even if it's not off the field, hopefully on the field. And I think the only thing I have seen so far is somebody asked Tom Burgess, did he have any sympathy for his ex-coach? And he basically said no. You know, we've got our own issues and everything over here. That's a dumb question. You've moved on and you've taken that job, so I'm not feeling too sad for him. No. um, Which is rightfully so, but yeah. I was surprised that it was quiet because the last few times these guys have played... Seabold's a big boy. It's taken two seconds for basically a little snippet to get out there and the barbs have been back and forth, but all quiet on the Western Front so far between these two. And for feeder back this week, Milford out, a couple of changes there, so Brisbane getting closer... I guess, to what would be their better side. We saw Turpin last week make a big difference. Probably disappointing that Milford doesn't stay in this week due to the injury because realistically that looked like the best spine they'd come up with or the most fluent they'd been during a game. Yeah. And then adding Fafita back in along with the rest of the forward pack who have been, the starting pack in particular, been pretty solid. Uh, probably would have been close to the best side they've fielded since pre-COVID. But interesting to see mm. if uh, anything comes out during the week about that and Tackle six to finish things off. Just probably an observation when you look around the teams and injuries and everything that's happened so far. The Panthers on the weekend, absolutely outstanding. And you'd have to say right now, I know the Roosters and Storm and that Eels are probably all shorter in the betting, but Penrith right now, I think, are really, really starting to announce themselves as a genuine title threat. We knew they were a top four kind of threat that you'd wonder with some of the young guys and what they've got there, whether it could develop further. But the more you see of Penrith and having had players go in and out and have Burton come in and have backline changes and have a couple of different guys in their forward pack, you've got to be more and more impressed and think that their chances of winning the Premiership this year are growing by the week. Well, I do. I've had them as one in the power rankings for the last three weeks. So, uh, yeah. Um. There's there's absolutely no argument from me. It'll be the fourth week in a row this week that I'll put them there. I've had them there since round nine, just looking back on my power rankings now. So uh, They've got the least amount of injuries out of those top four sides. Uh, they, they're the youngest, they're least experienced, but they're playing with plenty of confidence. They look to be the deepest in terms of depth. You know, I, I, said, I think I said it last week that the issue is going to be, can they produce this type of footy? When it matters. When, when it matters. Finals. That's the only question I've got. I think Ability, the... um, talent, all that stuff they've got. They, they, they can win this comp. They can win this comp by a comfortable margin, in my opinion, if they produce their best game. Uh, I don't care who they're playing. Uh, they beat the Roosters prior to, to COVID. Uh, they... Dominated Parramatta, I, I think, or played better than Parramatta for probably 65 minutes. They beat the Storm. 
I think they've developed a lot more since that Paramount. And they're way better. Well. They are, yeah. So I, and I think the bigger thing also, again, just... I think that was part of their development. That was the last step in the development because they would have gotten the sheds after that game and gone, Jesus, like, we, we dominated that game. And I think also what I said at the start of the year, he's probably going to give a few veterans the benefit of the doubt to start with, but I think this team's going to develop and get better as they bring players in. Yeah. As we've seen Mansour be rested for a knee issue or we've seen Faray miss games and have Naden Staines come in, I think straight away that opened up their right edge and they've been more dangerous there. And we already know their left edge is so dangerous and rotating through the different forwards and having Leonu come in and play games and Leota and Tedovano, even who was brought in as a big recruit, is probably not even looking like he's a big piece at the moment with the other kids they've got there. Yeah, Bill Walsh the from the, the 49ers, so. uh, coach through their golden years, always used to say you're one injury away from being a good team. So Because yeah. it's you always think, oh, I've got an injury, shit. But, you know, one injury and you get a better player come in and it can change your team. And I still, Penrith have, have been good and then the guys that have come in have actually been better than who the, the starters anyway. Well, I think also the ones that are coming in have come through with this group and they've played together. And we some a lot of people have been saying that to me, oh, they, they seem happy and they seem connected, this, that, the other. If you've come to the junior grades together and you've been involved it's together... It's been six, been seven years for that group. That group have a bond. And then you mix in a few other players, like your Kikiars who have come externally but are now a big part of that club, and Coruscant, yeah. who they brought back, who knows Ivan Cleary and know that club, and they buy into the group. Well, it's pretty easy to get on board. Yeah. But a lot of these guys have played schoolboy football together, rep football together, played against each other. They're competitive, but they've also got, uh, like you said, that bond or that relationship, and they, they're thriving on what each other is doing. And I think there's a real possibility, and I said at the start of the year, I don't think Mansour and Farah would be in my side moving forward. When Brian Toto is good to go, he comes straight back in. If Charlie Staines isn't the other option for the wing, or they're not your two wingers, I don't care what side he goes on, I'm not here. And I think Naden at this point in time, same deal I thought at the start of the season, is better than Farah at this point. So I think you're looking at Crichton and Naden either side of the field and Staines with Toto, and if they stick with Edwards for the rest of the year, if he's injury prone, or do they... Give Staines that crack if he can stay healthy. Aikens has proved he can plug in that hole as well, but I don't know if they'd go that far with Staines right now. But I'd go as far to say, as far as the, the, the center wing combos, I think those four are their best bet going forward. Mansour's trying his ass off, and I think he's been pretty solid this year, but the future for the Penrith Panthers doesn't involve Josh Mansour and Dean Farah. No. It involves these kids, and there's more coming. Uh, Catewell will be back at some point as well. He started in the back row. Martin's really, really developed there. Um, does he hold that spot and Capewell come on as a utility interchange? You can play middle, centre and cover all those positions. I don't know. It's pretty handy to have. But they've also got that entire in May. You can play 9, 13, yeah. half through a nice pass in the weekend. He's starting to get some football back under their belt. Matt Burton can't get a game. They've got lots of cover. They're very deep in multiple positions. Correct. They're in a real good situation. Deepest team in the comp. And they were Most about $8 a few weeks ago. They're now into 5 so they've shortened in. They're still fourth in the betting, but they're equal with Melbourne. Parramatta's 450. Brocky got them at 11. Thank you. 375 for the Roosters. So, yeah, just really impressed with the Panthers' development in particular the last few weeks and what they're starting to show. But that wraps up the set of six for this weekend. So let's jump into the Power Rankings box head brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. And we had a couple of people inquire last week who I've got an inbox back now that we've got some details. They're up in Queensland. Yep. So they can't be helped out by the Penrith Solar Centre. But as I've said before, while they can't help you out as far as their own business, they will always do their best to try and refer you to someone who they think is a quality provider. And they've done such in this situation. So uh, I'll send those inboxes with the links now that I've got the information. But power rankings, uh, tackle your rising power bills this season head on 
With the help of solar energy, the team at Penrose Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrose Solar Centre can make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solutions for you and your home. Visit www.penrosesolar.com.au or give them a call on 1820 2930. What do you got, Boxhead? You know it. Panthers. Yep. yep. Four weeks in a row, the pennies. They're two weeks now for me. Number one are the Penrose Panthers as well. They're up. Uh, the form line, the development, the changes. About it it yeah. just seems to get better. It's all looking very, very good. Number two. Storm. Got the Storm as Unchanged. well. Unchanged. Ticking along, doing good things, moving around a couple injuries this week, but uh, they've proved again with changes and other bits and pieces they can adjust. Tackle, uh, sorry, number three in your power rankings. Uh, the Roosters. I left the Eels there. They weren't exactly impressive on the weekend. They look like they've hit a bit of a flat spot, but I still think... Uh, it's a pretty quality roster. Four? Eels. Yeah, I got the Roosters. The Eels were terrible. On they Sunday. were, but the Roosters haven't been, been great the last weeks. two weeks. And I know they've got some injuries and they're looking a bit flat and they got the job done, but their, their last two games haven't exactly been too crash hot. So. Yeah, well, but they've got uh, excuses. They've got some excuses, yes. Tackle, oh, not tackle five, buddy. Number five in your power rankings. Raiders. Got the Raiders as well. Again, not the most impressive on the weekend, a hard trip to make. They've had a couple of hard weeks where they've battled out some tough games and they got the job done again. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they get some troops back this week we are talking about. And Bateman and Harold Ruinara will also both be better for the run. Number six. Oh, they're in, the Sharks. You got them in? Yep. I've left Newcastle. Ugh. You know why? Because now they've got green and I thought White was scrappy on the weekend. They showed a lot more effort. Daniel Safidi, hopefully back this weekend. Uh, they need to start getting some wins. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. But... That's a huge benefit. Of yeah, I've left them at six. Seven. Rabbitohs. I've got them there. They got the job done. And the scary thing is I thought they looked better when Reynolds wasn't on the field. Well, the scoreline would suggest they were better without him on the field. It just opened up a lot more. Cody Walker took control. Uh, they they just started to play their structure. Much better when he took control and got his hands on the football more and just really ripped in. Whereas when Reynolds is there, it's a lot more slow and systematic and Walker gets his touches. But after saying that, um, I know you can't exactly say you want to lose the best or second best goal kicker in the competition, one of the best general play kicking games, but their tempo, the way they played, the energy, everything lifted, I thought, when Reynolds went off the field. Yep, I agree. So, um, some question marks there. And number eight. Uh, well, it could have been one of probably four or five, but I left Newcastle there because I think they'll be the ones that'll finish there. And like you said, the Blake Green signing. Yep. Well, um, I've got the Sharks in at eight. They're yep. finally in. They're six from their last seven. I have to pay them some credit. I still think, again, they're going to play the Eels this weekend, so it's a point to prove against the side in the eight because mm. they've been getting those wins, like I said, they should be getting. They found a real good way to win the other night considering the amount of late changes and injuries. Well, they've won six of their last seven, and six the, and the seven. one they, they got, got smashed hammered by Penrith. by Penrith, yeah. And all the other wins are outside the eight. Yeah. So that's, again... Full credit to them. They're winning those games. Like we said, the Tigers need to win if you want to play finals. Well, it's, that's that's it for me. Like, Manly got belted, and you had... Um, oh, that's it. They, they beat me. The though. Tigers, like... The Tigers are just... Like, like yeah. Of all those their teams, season, Their season now, for me, is over. There's legitimate strike in the Sharks. There really is. Uh, and now I think the, the Sharks, twofold. Like, they've gone on this winning streak, but they've also had... Teams like the Tigers just slip up. Manly have had their injuries slip up. So it's just given the, the Shark is a clear gateway 
into the eight. And you want to talk about guys getting a rough rough trot. Like Johnny Morris inherits this job with salary cap issues late in the sure. preseason. When Shane Flanagan's fired and he comes in, bloods a bunch of kids, leads them to the finals in the last week, given all the circumstances, some massive contracts and some players that aren't of his doing and injuries all year and issues, comes into the second season, they're starting to talk about sacking him, even with still issues and guys that aren't his signings, not playing up to their potential. Goes out, they get Talakai and Hunt, who have turned out to be two bargain buyers playing well above their pay grade. He lost Sherry against you know anything he could keep control of. They let Morris go before that situation panned out. He's had a bunch of injuries. His biggest name players are constantly out of the side. They head up there this weekend, have nine guys that played in the New South Wales Cup grand final run out in the field and still find a way to win. Yeah, You want to give some credit to someone. I talk about people that would be very unlucky if they were to lose their jobs. If they were to knife Morris, they're absolutely kidding themselves. Well, they are. And their yeah. future... And the best part of their side and who they've brought in and the Brayleys and these kind of guys that have been blooded were all through his apprenticeship when he did the junior pathways and ball and 20s and that and came through. So I don't understand how they could even be considering that situation right now for Eddie Jones or anyone that was mentioned or I'm bringing Flanagan back. Like We talk about people that get credit or we wrap a random assistant or we wrap this person, we wrap that person. Johnny Morris just getting no love given the situation and what he's been doing. So good on John Morris. Yep. And there you go. That wraps up the power rankings. Again, Penrith Soul Centre, they're the ones you want to get on board with. We're getting closer to that time of year. Give them a call if you're interested or you're looking to get on board. Quality solar solutions for you. Help your wallet and help your family, help your home. 1800 20 for quality solar solutions. Reviews of the games from the weekend box had South Dragons 32-24. A strange old game. Souths just look like they have in most games. Poor set-ends and errors in particular, just their own undoing. And when it got out to 16-0 early on, you thought it could be absolutely anything. Yeah. But the Dragons also you have to worry about. And I was sitting there with the old man and said as much that in previous weeks, any time they seemed to have got out to a lead, it seemed to evaporate fairly quickly, and it happened again. Yeah. They got chewed up late in the half, and then in the second half, they just never bounced back. Souths losing Reynolds... Kicked on from there. Cody Walker took control. They were particularly dominant on that left-hand side. He got Latrell much more involved. Cook's jumping out, just taking on the line. The first try when Cody just cut back in straight at the line was very, very soft. Uh, the bounce from Latrell one, a couple of picks for Johnston. Um, they just lost control of that game, the Dragons. And Mary, you know, copping a lot of flack. And I said the player should take more accountability, but I was very confused this week with his bench and what he was doing. And I know there's now less accountability on him because they have a coaching committee and a selection panel and he's not in complete control. But to have one middle on the bench, two edge players and a utility half fullback, play all your middles basically for the full half except Kerr who got on for a small bit and then they had all middles at one point as back row or edge players. It's not saying they don't have the ability to play there, but if you put three or four edges purely in the middle defensively, it's not really a great way to hold the middle or control the ruck. Yeah. And I thought their use of their bench and the way that was picked was terrible. And I will never understand putting a half, and of all people, a guy that's probably not even a genuine half, Sailor, his best position is probably fullback, but he's played center wing fullback half in with 10 minutes to go in the halves and reshuffling your whole spine. And he comes up with a critical error when he threw that intercept. I was completely baffled this week. But again, yeah. I'm not going to defend him, but I'm also going to say at the same time, they've taken a lot of responsibility away from him by putting that committee in and the panel so... 
it's a joint effort and there's a lot of talk behind the scenes that Flanagan's doing more and more. So I also think it's a very awkward situation to be a head coach when basically around you the walls are closing in. But I didn't agree uh, with the bench and the way they used it. I, I thought that was contributed to their downfall. No, I agree. South were well off their game, but I thought they were dominating field position. They just made some errors that led to line breaks and they made some errors early in the tackle count and the Dragons played up to it. They held onto the ball early in the game and they took advantage of the gifts that South gave them. And then from there, South snapped into gear and the Dragons, again, weren't able to maintain an intensity and a quality performance for 80 minutes and they got punished for it. Uh, even down to the end of the game, like you said, some strange interchanges at key times. When you're looking for cohesion, they changed their team up and created confusion. And uh, yeah, it was just it was poor all around from the Dragons. It just screamed of a team that doesn't really trust uh, key players in key moments and in big minutes. And uh, they just scream of a losing sort of culture, I guess, at the moment. Mm. And. Norman has been dropped this week. I yeah. thought he's been quite poor. And even like that Bulldogs game, if he doesn't get that ball in and he's like, he, he was terrible. Yeah. Uh, the week before, errors again in the Sharks game and just simple stuff. Like he has a moment here or there, but overall for what he's getting paid and the standard of what he should be delivering, he just hasn't been good enough. I know Hunt cops a lot of flat because he's got the biggest contract, but Norman's still on, you know, 859 and a green and not delivering anywhere near that price tag. No. Or what he should be delivering on a week-to-week basis. So... Um, Hunt was back in the halves. McInnes back to nine. Did they look as good? I don't know. I thought they looked okay. They obviously had some great success on that left side attacking the Rabbitohs. Graham and that new kid, Paulo, were disconnected. Once it was probably Graham's fault where he came in too hard when he didn't need to. The second time, the whole line came in and made a decision and Paulo was just caught out on an island. I don't know if he's going to last too much longer, but I guess with the back line injuries they've got, they don't really have a choice at the moment. He's getting more game time. He'll get better for it. Um, but I definitely think he's had some iffy moments in his few games in grade as well. So Agree. that's one for them to adjust to. And middles, we talked about it all year. If if Tommy wasn't there right now, I think they'd be in big trouble up the guts. Tommy's doing a really, really good job one out, but he needs more help. And they're obviously not going to get it this season, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. They've got Arrow coming next year, but I think they're going to need more than Arrow if they're going to want to correct what they've got in the middle yeah. as far as trying to get a good enough role forward and a good enough rotation with their bench as well to help out Cook, Cody, Latrell, and their spine in general as well as that back line, which is red hot. But their pack needs to get better. So uh, massive effort in Indigenous round in particular by the Indigenous players. Cody Walker, I thought, was the best by a mile. Alex Johnson bouncing back to form talk that he's on the outer. They're trying to keep him, but they don't have the money. I'm sure a lot of clubs would be interested in him. His form has been great. Um, Tom was good again and I thought Bailey Sheeran did a really good job when he came to six because again like Cody Walker first instinct just run the ball mm-hmm. and they look much better on the front foot Dragons Dufty uh, he's been the one basically since he'd been handed the keys to play that position who's been the most dangerous every single week um, he's one of the better players there Aiken's been back to some really really good form um, a couple of their big names still probably need to do a little bit more in particular in those key positions but yeah I think some accountability definitely needs to be taken on the side of the way they pick their bench and the way they use it. And one of the listeners sent through something uh, that I'll throw up here, JDHD on Twitter, asking what are they doing wrong in regards to their defensive discipline? He feels like they're getting mauled in six against and ruck penalties. What are they actually doing wrong? He genuinely cannot see a significant difference between them and their defensive discipline compared to oppositions. 
They lose a lot of tackles. I think I was going to say as much. They I think give up a lot of line breaks too. The big period for me is again. As soon as you miss tackles, you give up line breaks. You're struggling to then win tackles. And it, I'd probably start looking at how many tackles they win early in the set. That's when you get yourself into trouble and yeah. set restarts. They also might be giving away penalties deliberately early in the tackle to try and save the start of the set. I think the big one for me, pal, is probably that moment again. I've said a lot and probably every Dragons fan is sick of hearing it, but when the bench comes on, I think they just lose control of the middle. I really do. Kerr is good with his carries, but laterally defensively, when him and Merritt in particular, when I've watched games go out there, their middle just falls apart. Mm. They can't hold the middle as strong. They get loose, like Brock's saying. Lots of legs tackles, lots of lost play the balls. I don't think it's anything significantly different. The other thing as well, I guess, and it's one that's confusing for everybody so far, I think there's just different interpretations each week depending on which referee you've got. Yeah. So that part as well could be a contributing factor. I haven't really paid attention um, on consistently as to what referees got which game and the differences, but I definitely see differences in guys that hammer it, some that'll barely give one, some that'll have patches, some that'll pull out, but I think defensively, yeah, they probably do lose too many tackles. They're probably not the cleanest in the ruck, but in particular when they make their interchanges and their, their starting middles go off, I think they get real loose around the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, to pick all those back rows and a utility half, like they need middle help. And there's teams making moves for next year, and I don't know if they're too tight in the salary cap. Are they waiting on Jack? But you can't wait forever. You need to do something to shore things up. Yeah, I agree. Why your SESs, your Ryan James, all these guys are moving about, the Dragons are still sitting on their hands. They need to do something. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah I'm, I'm a bit lost at the moment. And then last point, I guess, and we heard this just before we went on, talk now that with not only with the Norman dropping, that suddenly today there's a link back to Gareth Whitlock who walked out on the club basically after signing a brand new deal before the new preseason kicked off to go home and now it's talk he wants to come back. They didn't say it directly had to be the Dragons, but strange talk that he was interested or that they're interested in trying to facilitate a move possibly to swap Norman if he was willing to go over there for Gareth and whatnot. So, Gareth. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on, but the walls are starting to close in a bit more on Mary again. The murmurs are coming back. Talk that Flanagan's going to go to the NRL and ask again for an earlier sentence to be able to get back coaching. I thought they made it pretty clear that wasn't going to be the case. So, mm. I think there's a lot of confusion and questions around the Dragons, and we won't know until the off-season with that clause in their deal if they want to get rid of him. But for me right now, if you're going to go anywhere, you either push behind the scenes and say, can we have Flanagan back? And if it's a no, and you know you're moving on from McGregor because they've got that clause, I'm, again, looking at someone like a Jason Rolls or I'm looking at Craig Fitzgibbon. I agree. They need to do something. And they need to be more sure I've of what they're doing. spoken about this game for far too long. I know. It's more about the club. And I'll go back to it again. Ian Millwood needs to be held more accountable than most. Yeah. Still for me. He's just re-signed Josh Kerr for three years, who I think is okay. But I don't think he would have been in great demand. And why did you give him three years? I wouldn't have given him any more than two. Ravalawa is playing a bit better at the moment, but still, I don't think there would have been a lot of people kicking down the door to steal Ravalawa, and they've given him three years. And outside of that, there's not a whole lot of change going on. So I'm a little bit confused, but Souths get a win. Dragons probably pretty close to being out of contention for the final. Some results have kept them in the loop, but you need to win games and you need those in front of you to start losing. I think they're they're just about out of touch at this point in time. Warriors, Tigers, uh, it's a flashback to the Titans game. Two early tries, looking like they've got the goods and they're going to go on with it. And 
Then it all just fell apart. There was a complete lack of energy and intent. They had no direction. I thought they were very one out and slow. The Warriors lifted. They had pushing all their carries. Tavunga being back and the offloads and second phase. Uh, I thought they just looked much more intent on beating him up the middle, moving the football, just kind of pushing their way around the ruck. Well directed by Green again, kicking. Um, and I'm happy to eat my words when I said that I think for a lot of people this might turn into an easy two points. They've proved anything but since uh, I've kind of made that statement. And I know last week those yeah, players Yeah, I left, think but... everyone everyone thought that that would be the case, but they've been fantastic. Yeah, so whether that's down to Peyton partly or whether that's down to the group and wanting to make the best of a bad situation. For a little know, bit of all. You know, and, and it, it's frustrating again watching out this when they do play that well to see a guy like Hiku have the game that he's have. Or, you know, there's just some guys there at times you're like, why can't you do this every week? Mm. Why can't you play this way? But why? Why? For the Tigers. We saw Madge obviously kick the chair and a fair bit of frustration, but that, that just didn't seem to be able to dig themselves out of the hole. No. Well, their, their problem is that when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're, they're awful. And when they turn that off switch, they can't turn it back on during games. It just... They, like you said, they jumped out. They looked good. Um, they were ahead easily, controlling the game, and then it all just went to shit, whether it's complacency or whether it's just uh, a lack of consistency and ability to play for 80. I'm not sure, but they need to get it sorted. Uh, I think that's the, the death knell for them. That That's a game. said it last week. That This is a must-win if they're serious about playing finals. Uh, for me now, I'd, I'd be shocked if they made played finals for Well, who year. they've got left over, and again, yeah. I know we said don't look at the draw, but... The bottoms, no, it's more. Not beating, don't look at the draw, but if yeah. you're playing every top eight, uh, top four team, yeah, basically with eight, you know, eight rounds to go, you're going well. Phew. You're relying on a lot, to happen and you're probably going to have to win five of those eight to get in. Yeah, and you can't beat the Warriors. It's not looking good. Not looking good. And I haven't looked just yet, but I'm pretty sure he would have made changes again this week. So yeah. you're back to square one if he's picked to do halves combo. And Harry Grant's apparently going to be injured. Maybe out for a week. I haven't checked the team list yet, but if he's out... Yeah, well, they're saying he's out for at least for a week. That's a massive blow in itself. Huge. And again, saying moving forward, their best player's not even theirs. So, yes. it's a frustrating time if you're a Tigers fan. I feel sorry for him. I really do. But for the Warriors, I really, really like their back row. With Jazz Tavunga back in the mix, Harris being healthy in the way he's playing in the development of Eli Katoa, that is a very, very good 11, 12, and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, Tavunga in particular plays well above his weight. The amount of offloads he gets... And just his general aggression, I think he's been great since he's come back into the forward. Hiku had one of his better games. Burr off the bench had a good impact, so good to see some fight from the Warriors there. Uh, Tigers, I think probably close to their most consistent player besides Harry Green. All he's been the winger and off a Luma. Yeah, agree with that. He's playing well. Handful of games in grade. I like the look of him. Uh, obviously still got a bit to learn, and I think Alloy, as we said before, was a very underrated player, but has come more to the fore to a lot of people's eyes, I think, this season as well. But um, massive with frustration there for the coach Maguire. Oh, yeah. You look back again, what we said, the games that you're supposed to win or need to win if you want to be a final side, they'll look at the Titans game and they'll look at the Warriors game if they miss out by a win or two and they'll have to wonder again what could have been. Correct. So, moving on, Sharky's Broncos. I actually really, really enjoyed this game. I don't know what you thought about it, but back and forth. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's good to watch. The Sharky's thrown into a bit of a late reshuffle and basically (laughs) had half their New South Wales Cup winning side from last season. Another debutante. Uh, in Ferris, Mulitalo back in, Braden Trindle debut in an Indigenous round, and he did a pretty good job there as well. Talakai, who was a gun junior coming through at South and had huge reps on him, played all the junior reps, gone off the boil for a couple of years, played some cup at Newtown, been at Penrith, 
transition from a center to a back row to a middle, and now he looks like he's definitely found his feet again. So full credit to John Morris for, again, getting him back to what he should be delivering or the way he should be playing. But um, Brisbane, I guess, basically, when they get out to that eight-point lead and play oh, some of their better football... That dropout killed him. When Wade Graham ran down to the 40... Ten-minute capitulation. Uh, it just swung the game. There was eight to go. They had the ball eight ahead. It's very, very difficult... Um, Sorry, didn't have the ball, but um, well, no, they were they were about to receive the ball. Like how you lose from there is unfathomable. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's crazy. Um, the only, only match by the Super League game that we yeah, just Leeds. showed you. If anyone didn't say that, Leeds, Huddersfield. Leeds were down by 20 with 13 to yeah. go. Came Looking back, up. drew, kicked the field goal, golden point, one. Fast forward it to the 67th minute and just watch it from there. Yeah. It looks like it's done and it's not. Unbelievable. Um, but on the shark side of things, you know, like you said, the dropout, they roll downfield, they find a try, then Willie Tarlow straight down the left wing, puts in that cork and banana kick and it's cleaned up by Tracy who takes his opportunity. And then Ueli crashes over. They have a capitulation in the final 10 minutes after doing all the hard work. But Brisbane looked fantastic up until that point. Yeah, they looked they like were they, really, really good. They rolled well. Coates had one of his better nights. Stags. The halves combo. Stags, man. He just needs to get the shit error of his game. Yeah, He's I know. He's still got a shit error. He, he threw has the ball a huge from, impact yeah, on that side. But he chucked one Sorry out of his ass. Sorry for in there. They're, they're almost top eight side. He chucks one out of his ass, though, and it gives him the first try. Flagler, a good chase effort. Rips the collar off him. Most times you bury that guy in the grandstand, but... I thought it was Darius Boyd's best game in 18 months. And that's another one I was going to say. I'm so it is effort. Happy to eat my words on him playing his best football at fullback, but it shouldn't take everything having to go your way. And people going, oh, they took the captaincy. They took him out of football. Like, well, fucking play better. Have a better attitude. Shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be given everything you need to be given to make you happy enough to play football. Yeah. If you want to help out that group and they're paying you a good amount of money and they're giving you the golden right out the, the door... Do the right thing by the club, the coach, and the players, and put an effort in every week. Yeah, it's the first game where I legitimately sat there and thought, "Wow, Darius Boyd's playing a really good football." Yeah, he played awesome. He had a hand in three or four tries. Him and Milford, in particular, combined very, very well. And I think it's pretty obvious the same thing we've said about Turpin the whole time. As soon as Turpin comes back in, they look much better through the ruck. They yep. had someone who was willing to hit the point of attack. He made markers and A defenders accountable, and they got over the advantage line much, much better. Um, they just looked a lot sharper. So the flying effect from that freed up the halves to have more space and be able to play more direct. And Boyd obviously chimed in much more effectively from the back than the other options have had so far. Correct. But, yeah, Carrigan and a couple of those guys were great as usual, but I thought that was probably their best spine and what you'd stick with for the rest of the season. But Milford's now got injured, so Croft's back in this week. He's got big shoes to fill, given the way they played last week and some of the, the signs they've shown. But, um, yeah, heartbreaking way to lose, really. Heartbreaking. Yep. Awesome for the Sharks and Morris. Plenty of injuries, lots of late changes. Get that result. Um, and yeah, like I said, development of players like Hunt, Talakai, Rudolph coming in. Like all these kind of bit players or guys that have been picked up from here and there that have been out playing or outshining some of their bigger names. And now 
he's starting to get the best out of a Johnson or he's getting the best out of Woods, who's actually playing some half-decent football and getting these guys back on track to do the job they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly Raymond and Dugan back on board this weekend. Moylan's still not available, but he's going to get some troops back on board. And I think there's a lot of pressure on those guys to deliver because they seem to do better every time he makes changes or he doesn't have a few of those guys on the side. Correct. And he brings in the guys that he's been coaching or he's been working with that probably don't have those big personalities or the big egos and aren't living up to their paychecks. So Tracy uh, as well, I think he gets an opportunity possibly this week. I think Trindle might be rolled out of the halves set up there, but I thought he was pretty good in his first game. He's a former Jersey feed player of the year, Braden Trindle. Yep. Not a bad uh, way to debut as well. An Indigenous round up there at Suncourt Stadium. That's a crack away to debut in first grade. You're not wrong. And Jackson Ferris, who scored that 80th minute winner we watched last year in the New South Wales Cup, grabbed the try on debut, got put on report in debut, and then the poor bastard got injured in the same game. Unbelievable. So a very eventful night for him, and now he's going to be out for four to six weeks with a knee injury, the poor bugger. So mm. very interesting night. But Brisbane gets some more troops back this week and play South, as we said, looking forward to that one. And Cronulla get Parramatta, which is a real good opportunity again to put their best foot forward and try and prove a point. Roosters, Titans. I'll put it to you this way. If you would have told me that the Titans would have two players put in the bin and the Roosters would have them for 20 minutes versus 12, I would have told you it was going to be an absolute bloodbath. Mm. But that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. It was not the case at all. They were, again, just full of effort, full of energy, defended their line very, very well. The repeat efforts, the back-to-back sets inside 20. The line speed, the effort to work together, the communication's getting better. Um, and probably more importantly for me is just, again, adjusting and playing to your strengths, which they're not the biggest side. They're not going to power out a yardage. They can't afford to go one out. And against a side that's very, very good defensively in the ruck and on the edges, they thought, well, the best thing for us to do early is move the point of attack and try and pull the Roosters apart a little bit and try and isolate players. And they did that very, very well. They got at Flanagan. They made him make 40 tackles. They did early shifts out of yardage and move the point of attack to get to where they're thin and there were spaces to get one-on-ones and quick play the balls and they got through the Roosters a couple of times and, to be honest, probably lucky not to have won the game. Yeah, they, they were every chance well, I'd, go, I'd go that far to say, I thought, overall... Roosters clearly well off. Don't have their best players on the field. Yeah, they look tired. Different. They looked a little bit unenthused by the opposition, which is fair, but I thought the Titans were bang up for it. They played really, really good. They were enthusiastic. They played differently. They came out with a plan, which I think uh, is admirable. It shows that they're well coached. Um, and I thought, for the most part, they executed that plan. And they, like you said, they could have easily won the game. They had a, I thought, a couple of rough calls. But um, all in all, I, I didn't think that they deserved to win the game. Although I thought they had plenty of opportunities to do so. Yeah, I think... Uh, so I, I was very happy. Brimson back. You wouldn't have known he had an injury. He was very, very good. No, he was excellent. Uh, spark from the back, obviously... Brings a point of difference. I thought their edges, again, with the way they were moving the ball, were very, very good. Brian Kelly and those guys played some good football. Yeah. Um, overall mm-hmm. effort, very, very good. And the signs are there that, he, again, if he gets this kind of football at him for the rest of the year and figures out who's best moving forward to add in with those guys, Tino, SESA, and Fafita, that there's some good signs. So mm-hmm. um, still interested to see if they will go to market for a nine. I think there's a few guys out there that you could get in for only a year or two on a reasonable price, but... Uh, yeah, some very good signs for the Titans. For the Roosters, you know, Cordner's still missing both their back rowers, him, Crichton, their centre combinations, the Morrises, 
Tupo. You're talking about yardage, defensive combinations, edge setups. There's a fair bit of uh, change and pressure there right now, as well as Radley and rolling through those middles. Jared only played 30 minutes. He's a bit busted up. It's definitely taken a toll, like I said the other week. When you lose that depth and you don't have those rotations, guys have to push through. Um, they've rested some guys. They've given them longer than usual. And this week, there's talk they've rested Flanagan for the same reason because mm. it's just been a big year so far for his first full season in the NRL. So I thought it was Lamb as well. I thought they were talking about Lamb that they were going to rest. Uh, I think Lamb's only been playing bits off the bench. So if anything, he'll probably get okay. to start. That, that was the rumor I heard, but I haven't seen the lineups yet. We'll have a look. But uh, I guess the thing for them, even with those early losses, They've kept winning. They've won ugly the last two weeks, missing troops. They're going to get players back. If they can, you know, get those wins, they're four and against. They've built up from those few big results. If it's head-to-head between them and Canberra for that fourth spot that we've talked about, they've got a significantly better four and against right now. But yeah. they still need to get results, I guess, to keep up with Canberra, who are the two most likely, as we said, to shuffle for that fourth spot. But, uh, yeah, definitely some improvement there once they get some players back. And we'll see what they've named this weekend. But... I guess, again, the difference right now, you guys obviously don't have a lot of top-line players or guys that can make that difference. For them, you've got Tedesco, who was on the ball and very, very busy. Kiri, again, trying to put his stamp on the game, and Manu, who probably come up with the two biggest plays. One, when he took the try off Philip Samuel, that awesome cross-field cover tackle, and then at the end, he snatches that ball out of there, beats a couple of guys, and scores the winner. Yeah. So those individual players right now are the difference for the Roosters in these ugly games. Yeah. Raiders-Cowboys, 14-12. I'm not going to lie, I had some drama watching this game, and I don't mean because of the game. I had drama because KO kept fucking up. So, KO, if you're out there, you need to sort it out. You can't be dropping in and out mid-game. I run the internet speed test, had an Ethernet cable, I did the Wi-Fi. Everything was good, Brock. But KO just kept fucking up. Disaster. So, I missed important patch of this, and I've tried to rewatch bits and pieces, but... Again, I think for the Raiders, it's definitely not their prettiest win. It's one where, again, we talked about the early travel, getting up there, straight on the plane, on a bus, to the hotel, to the ground, whatever you're going to do. Obviously, no hotel, sorry, because they're not even staying up there. It's a long day. They've had a couple of tough weeks. They've had some close results. So the close loss to Melbourne, a couple of close wins. They've been in the wars. They've lost a couple more players. They definitely didn't look their sharpest, that's for sure. And they didn't look early on in particular uh, like they were very, very switched on. But again, find a way to get another two points. You get a run under Bateman's leg, so I thought it was great considering it was his first game back. Corey gets some minutes. Um, Curtis Scott, I guess, showed some good signs or showed some energy, which is something, again, needing to prove a point there after they brought him there. Rapana was... Okay at fullback. He had a couple of moments there. He looked outstanding. He had a couple of iffy moments as well. But I guess they're just making do with the situation. Yeah, it's another effort win. So Cowboys were good. Some people weren't happy with a couple of calls, but um, yeah, all in all, it was an ugly game. It was just a dour, gritty, tough game. But it was plenty of errors. They both struggled a bit. Yeah, but but another effort win. Robson continues to impress. Really big fan of Robson. Like you said, Bateman and Scott. Were big improvers. Lot Bateman's a big in. Well, I guess this week it's been a tough run for them already, but it doesn't get any easier. They got the Panthers. Yeah, super. So game we're hoping to be at. They got the result, the Raiders, but very very tough test this weekend back at Penrith, and I think after that they may have Parramatta or someone else. So it's been a, a, a very big six weeks 
by the end of that. When it comes, it doesn't around. seem they've had much of a let up with the draw, does it? Not Camera. really. And uh, getting some players back this week, potentially talk that Chan's already back after that compound dislocation. So interested to see what's happening there. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I think there were some pretty good signs on the Raiders side of things with those two guys coming back into the fold. The Cowboys, you know, Asiata and his injury, that didn't look too great. They've cleared him of any structural damage right now. So that's a really, really good result for them. I could see some changes in the way they're playing, but I also had some things that I was just confused about. They kicked a lot early on play two. They kicked a couple of times on play four. They tried the early kick to let Hamiso run in from the scrap lock. To me, against teams of quality, you value possession. You don't yeah. try trick plays. You don't try early kicks. And Yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't I didn't like some of the stuff they tried to do, in all honesty. No. I just thought they'd be better off. He tried Hampton in the halves. So I guess, again, for Hene in this situation, when you're trying to prove a point or get the job, you just work your way through the roster or you work with what you think is the best lineup. So there's been some subtle things there, but overall, um, I think probably the biggest thing for them, Robson keeps playing at nine and I don't think he's going to be challenged and you enjoy his development. You get Morgan back this weekend, which is a big in. And I think Hamiso getting a free run at fullback for the rest of the year is obviously a great thing for them, given uh, you know their situation, his development. So if you're the Cowboys, just keep heading down that path. Panthers Manly, 42-12. The Panthers, just wow. They Bitch blew, slap. They blew them away. Yeah, they did. Could have been even worse. Uh, Manly, I think the critical moment, right on half time in particular, at 22-6 with Penrith, oh, you know, probably missing a couple more chances to add to the scoreboard. They go down. They've got them shot. Lachlan Croker's got a truck gap to drive a player through. Uh, all he had to do was play short, but instead his eyes were looking outside and he threw the long pass, picked off by Brent Naden. Mm. Great cover tackle and chase down by DC and other players, but he hit short like he should have and he should have his eyes up. It was clean as day and he had time to make that decision. You might go in at 22-12, you've got some sort of confidence or thought that maybe yeah. we're on the right track, but second half didn't get any better. They got absolutely blown away. They gutted him up the middle. Uh, they won that battle. The discipline and the six agains that like we talked about before, I thought Manly really struggled there and Penrith got plenty of opportunities. And the best part, again, everyone's saying, oh, it's left side and kick out, two up for kick out and what's going on there. They got them left, they got them right. They got oh, them shit, the I thought their right side was better. Yeah, exactly. On, on this night. And again, putting Naden and Staines together, that's two games now. Their combination with early football on a roll, they look outstanding. Now. Yeah, look, I, I, Manly had their chances, but when they did, Penrith defended. Uh, defended very, very well. That's what's underrated about Penrith at the moment. Yeah, the Everyone's talking about their attack. Please, their, their defense is outstanding. I think they've got the best defensive record in the competition. I don't know how that is a fact, but I'm pr- I'm pretty sure they're if they're not the best, they're up there. Storm um, is number one. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Eels are number one by two points. Yeah. 150. Storm are 152. You've got the Roosters on 158. Panthers on 170. Well, there you go. So you got four within 20 points. And they're top four. And they're, all, they're well. all the top four. So th- there's absolutely no shock there. Um, look, I, I, Penrith's attack is obviously clicking along really nicely, but I think it's because they're absorbing pressure defensively and then catching teams just on a downer because they've turned them away. And, mate, when they get their opportunity, they pile on multiple tries. Uh, I think they're by far and away the best team in the competition at the moment. I think they're playing the most confidently, the most dominantly, um, and they're, uh, they're they're young, they're hungry, uh, and they don't have a care in the world. 
uh, and no. it's just a dangerous combination. They're a team. They're yep. a legitimate team. There's no mercenaries. There's no players for hire. It's so until I see other signs, I, I'll just stick by them. I think, the, I think at the moment they would beat the Roosters in the Roosters' current position. If the Roosters get all their players back, I think that's going to be an absolute doozy of a game. Parramatta, for me, aren't playing consistently enough, and whether that's just a little bit of a mid-season dip, I'm not sure. And I think the Melbourne Storm are probably, by roster and by talent, are probably the fourth best team, but they just hang around. They are the metal man from the Terminator, and they just don't beat themselves. Uh, So, you know, and the Raiders, I guess, are a bit bit of a wild card, but they still, for me, I, I just can't see them, A, getting in the top four, and if they don't get in the top four without Hodgson, it's going to make it really, really difficult for them. But they, they did look improved with with Bateman there. But but back to Penrith, I just think their streaks ahead at the moment, right yeah. now. And, and again, said it last week, the difference that a quality nine makes, we saw when Kenny went in last mm. week, and that's no knock on Kenny, but the difference between him, Coruscant, accountability for the middle, subtle manipulation, working markers, getting guys over the ad line, being a genuine threat, it makes a huge difference away the around the way you play your football. Yeah. It opens up your middle, which then opens things up for your halves to be better. And I think Luai, I was critical of for about the first month, has come good. Him and the left side look great together. Crichton, obviously, is a danger every time he touches the football. And I think Kickout to me, has been quiet probably for a month himself now, but hasn't needed to really be used as heavily as he was in the past or be relied on in such a manner because of the strike they've got around him. Yeah. And the right side, again, Naden and Staines, when they're together on that side have been outstanding. That's six tries he's got in two games of football and he was injured, obviously, again. But Naden, to me, holds that spot over Faro. Martin's made a fist of that job. He's a different player to a Catewell, but he's all effort, no nonsense, bustling. He works hard in defence. Him and Nathan, particularly together on that side, are a terror to deal with. And that's probably the biggest one to talk about, Nathan Cleary and his development. We knew he was a good footballer and a lot of people wanted to hang a fair bit on him last year when everyone was playing poor and things were going bad, but I think he's probably the best defensive half in the competition. His kicking game is outstanding and it's getting better. His goal kicking's got better. One thing was just his attack and his subtleties and all the other bits and pieces, and I think he's added to that. He's got tempo in his game now. He's got changes into playing square, dropping players under, picking his moments. He works over a spot, and I love more particularly the tempo changes in his runs. and yeah. little bits of deception, and he'll... He'll work a spot and keep asking the question, and he won't go away. And he scored a try the last few weeks just by doing so. And even yeah, he's almost played hundred games, only twenty-two. Uh, you need to give th- these halves that come in at eighteen. You need to give them four years, yeah, to develop. And then now you're going to see the best. That's why you put that amount of games. You know, into that, them. yeah, that three season rule is just rings true in in the performance and development of players. You can't. Just throw them on the scrap heap after a handful of games and go, well, then that's not our that's not our guy. No. Put the time and effort in and develop them, and they'll reward you in the long term. Uh, Manly, yeah, it's hard to really put a finger on what yeah. or where where they're going to land Manly. They come in With their best it. side, they're, they're, they could push the top four sides. You know, they've, they've seen that even with some key injuries. I still never had them as a premiership but, threat. I didn't like either. Some did. I, thought I, they I, could... I didn't either. Maybe get to a prelim or something again on best form, but I still. But they're a bloody forward. good. They're a bloody good side that's just yeah. been ravaged by injuries, um, and they just met someone, a bigger dog here, mm. and and the bigger dog just ragdolled them, and and they got injuries again. Dylan Walker barely lasted ten minutes of a fracture in the foot again in a different spot. I think Parker went off. I'm not sure what the end result was there, and I was surprised they dropped Cust altogether. 
and had Croker in there. Yeah, that, that surprised but me. Cust to be strapped back in this week and they've just extended him for two years like we spoke about last week, which I thought was a smart move. So, um, you know, Turbo again, they've been different rumours on when he comes back and when he's ready to go. I, I don't know. It obviously will make a difference, but he's not going to be the sole difference between the way they're playing right now. Like, he plays that game. Yes, would he make a difference? 100%. But he doesn't stop the result that happened on the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, Sirin as well, who's been in great form. Apparently, got a bit of a knee flare-up, so they're managing that at the moment as well. Mm. They can't afford much more injury-wise, that's for sure. But Cherry Evans, uh, probably one of the better players in a, in a losing side. Had some good cover efforts, set a couple up, had the effort, and he was absolutely filthy afterwards. Not happy. Yeah. In his post match interview. I, I didn't see Desi's press conference. I'm sure that was riveting with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, One uh, word for eight arms. Yeah. After a bit of a rough trot and then getting a couple of results the last few weeks, they've, you know, found themselves in a bit of a bash. But as up. we said last week, they've got a pretty good draw heading in home. So. Well, they just need to get some bodies back. They've got the Warriors this week who've proven they're not easy beats. But in the past, for some reason, they always have the wood on the Warriors. I know it's hard to buy into superstitions, but. They generally do have a good record every time they play the Warriors for some reason. So, see what happens there. And health-wise, if they get anyone back, we'll look at that when we do our team list later. Eels, Dogs, 18-16. This was crazy. A tripe game. 18-zip. You thought they were just going to mail it in. Um, well, and they did. That's what. They, that's exactly what they did. Paulo offload, Moses in, quick shift to left. Gutherson picks one up off an offload and the support. They're rolling downfield. They looked really, really sharp. And they just turned off. I'm not taking anything away from the Bulldogs. We say it every week. You know exactly what you're going to get. And if you're not going to be there for 80 minutes, they're just going to hang around. They're going to be a pain in the ass. They're going to kick well. They're going to complete. They're going to roll up field. Um, they're playing a little more football since George Alice has come in. And obviously the coach has gone and the pressure's come off. But for Parramatta, wow. And then it comes out afterwards. I think Annesley confirmed that one of the tries, Montoya, uh, was a no try. Should have been a try. Mm. So in the end here, Parramatta are very lucky to get away with this one. Yeah. Very lucky to get Brad it. Brad Arthur time. apparently give it to him at the end of the game, rightfully so. Uh, asked him whether they wanted to do the team song or not because it felt like a loss. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what more to say. They they skipped out to the lead, looked good, and then just mailed it in. That's exactly what they did. And they're not playing consistent footy at the moment, Parramatta. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to make of the Eels. I think maybe they're just cruising along at the moment. Well, I will say again, ahead, but same thing we said for us. They really need time. to build a game of consistency. That's going to be the biggest thing for Parramatta because there's no doubt they can produce football good enough to win this premiership, but can they do it over a long, consistent period of time across four weeks? That's that's the question that they've got to answer. Well, Moses is back in the team for a couple of weeks now. You've got Madison, who's missing again this week. I think I heard today he wasn't going to be named for the yeah. concussion reason. They got Oregon. I think Ray Stone's close to come back. So there's still a few more bits that are probably part of their best 17. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But realistically, yeah, I think similarly. They've been up for a bit. They had the the close loss uh, against Manly the other week, which probably wasn't expected. But maybe they're hitting a bit of a flat spot. Yeah. Uh, just mid-season or kind of. I think of the Manly game here. was sort of the start of it. So they definitely need to work their way out of it. They weren't overly convincing against the West Tigers. No. Nah. And then weren't overly convincing again this week, so... They got the sharks this week, so they definitely have their hands oh, full. Oh, huge, huge test, and the sharks are the opposite. They're at the peak of their powers at the moment, and they're playing football that is um, they're really confident. So you know, this might be the worst that Parramatta's we see Parramatta play all year. I hope it is. 
Similarly to Penrith, this might be the best that Penrith play all year. Yeah. They might only get worse from here and fizzle out. You you don't know, but right right at this point in time, Parramatta are definitely looking in a bit of a rut, um, and Penrith look to be at the peak of their powers. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly to Cronulla, they're just confident, winning games. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's just that battle for consistency and producing that best footy at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for the Dogs. I really do. No, they're in the top eight for effort. And there's a lot of sides that, that play uh, with far less effort than the Bulldogs, but have got far more talent. And again, you can't tell me, and I'm not knocking George Alice, it's not no shot at George Alice or anything else, but you can't tell me. Oh, it's nothing on Dean Pay. Dean Pay wasn't Please. doing anything different. Their effort, their effort has remained exactly the same. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it's not a knock on no, and foreign, George Alice, because in the end, Pay quit. No, exactly. And foreign, uh, again, when he's healthy and he's on the field, big difference. Absolutely. Big difference, quality player. For Tyler Mariner, again, having a really, really good year now that he's healthy and confident again after the bad injury he had last year. I'll say it again, and I'll stick by it. I want to see Avarillo play his natural position at six. I know it's not probably the best situation because they don't really have the best side around him, but why Foran is there, and if he's going to be there next year, I don't know. But Jake Avarillo, that finish, that pick up from the pass behind him, the dive to score in the corner, it's not even natural position. Yeah. He come through at Westfields playing more in the halves as a ball-running six, and why he's got somebody like Foran there... I'd like to see him play in that position. Mm-hmm. I really would. I know Lewis is tough, tackles well, kicks, etc. and they've tried all these other guys, but Avarillo is a very talented player. So, yeah, we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. In the last game of the round, Storm against the Newcastle Knights, 26-16. Again, didn't think it was the greatest performance by Melbourne. Newcastle come in again, missing a couple of players. Um Bradman Best, high cinders Moses, possibly. He might be out, might even require surgery. They're not sure yet. He played on through. He toughed it out. Um, their effort was obviously much, much better this week. And O'Brien was much happier in the press conference after the game. But I think, similar to what we talk about a lot of times, even though I didn't think Melbourne were the greatest, they, they just kept winning. They find ways to win games. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the same thing again here. They got Jesse back, had a couple of injuries in the centres. Seve come in. Played late. They had some issues during the game themselves, the Melbourne Storm, with a couple of players going on and off. And Smith obviously scored and had that AC joint. And Brandon Smith moved in. Felice Cafusi has had some issues the last few weeks. Was down again. Looked like he was having some issues. Um, not pretty by, like I said, any great length. But they win. Plain and simple. Yep. There's going to be some changes this week. And no surprise. And obviously, like I said before... Newcastle just couldn't really... Um... They, yeah, they just couldn't really compete. Their effort was pretty good. Yeah. But they were just a, a cut under, weren't they, watching it? You never really felt like they were going to come and win the game, did you? No. You thought Melbourne were always in control. And the only kind of period that got me a little bit worried, like I said, they probably had the points on the board or enough points on the board, is when Smith and a few of those guys were getting injured or going off the field and uh, having a bit of drama with their own rotations and bits and pieces there. But for Newcastle, yeah, much better effort. Hopefully... We wouldn't know in a minute when we look at the lineup. Safidi, Daniel, that is, back in this week to help Green straight in would push man to nine. Means they're better off in their spine situation. Another kicker, another person to help out with the control. But Bradman Best would definitely be a blow. But they've got a few good kids there. Does Twala shuffle in? Does Toa come into the centres? Does he go to the wing? Shibasaki get a look in again. So they've got some options at least. Um, but yeah, Safidi would be a big in to help that rotation, that's for sure. Yep. So for Newcastle, Storm, Tino was massive again. If I'm you, I'm getting even more excited. I know you're getting for Fido, but 
Mm. That Tino signing is looking better and better by the day. You sign him after two games for a pretty decent amount, and again, that's not that's not the point. But if he delivers on the way he's playing, it definitely looks like a good investment because he was great again. And one for me, interesting this next few weeks with Smith being out to finally see Brandon probably play with a full strength side. Mm. The few times he's played as the nine for Melbourne has been during Origin or without other guys there. This is probably the first time Smith will get to play with, you know, probably the better forward pack for Melbourne or the better players as the 80-minute hooker. So I know Harry Grant's coming back, but if you're Melbourne and Smith's retiring, everyone's saying, Harry, Harry, Harry. Well, it depends on who's going to be the coach in 12 months. Is it Craig? Is it somebody else? Does the style of play suit a Harry Grant and the team, or does the style of play and the new coach suit the way Brandon Smith plays? Melbourne have got a decision to make in that regard in the next 12 months as well with the coach and if Smith Cameron Smith's not going to be there as well which nine is which Yeah. and if Brandon is everyone starting to suppose it'll have... work itself out the only reason they're talking about it now is because Harry Grant's doing such a fantastic job with the Tigers mm. but in the end that's not up to the other 15 clubs to work out what's going to happen no. it's up to the Storm the Storm are the ones that have recruited three of the best nines in the game mm. and have them all under contract so bad luck They'll work through it in their time. It's not up to Melbourne to, you know, feel sorry for the other clubs who don't have a nine and then to, you know, move to supply other clubs with good players. No, do a better job. It's no different to people like, going, oh, look at the Tigers. Fullbacks have lost. Paffenhausen. Bad luck. Tedesco, Addo Carr, like, as a winger, like, just players have let go. Like, Retain well, better. That's their problem. Yeah. Do a better job at the time identifying and keeping your talent and don't let them end up at other clubs. Um, and again, at the time, and I say this for a lot of people, people go, oh, look how he's turned out. Would he have turned out that way if he didn't go to Melbourne? Yeah. You don't know. They put Corabetti on the shelf after a handful of games. Maybe Corabetti doesn't turn into what he does unless he gets down to Melbourne. Pappenhausen, no one wanted a bar off. Yeah. Melbourne took him down there. And it took drink water to get injured for him to get his opportunity. Maybe we don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's easy to look when someone's hit their peak and go, oh, I hate the Tigers had him. He wasn't playing like that at the Tigers. Some people need to get to a certain club or a certain environment to see the best out of them or to see the player that you want to see. Yeah. So, no yeah. Melbourne roll on. Um, and, yeah, I'm very interested to watch this week with Brandon Smith in control with the steering wheel there. And Jerome Hughes, very lucky uh, to not have a, a bad injury after Solo coming there and almost carried himself on his legs, which is pretty stupid, to be honest. But Yeah, but that was disgusting. Just simple. When they're up in the air, just don't touch it. Yeah, really, really poor. So... Yeah, much better effort. But got one other fan question, Boxhead, uh, that came through, and I was tagged in it by Dan the Sportress from somebody else on Twitter. I'm forgetting the name of the person who he tagged us in, but the question was, and he wanted to put it to us as well, you'd be interested in our opinion. Who do we think is the most innovative coach in the NRL? I think Trent Robinson. And I thought similar. So innovation, you're talking new methods, ideas, creative thinking. I think that would probably be the obvious one, wouldn't it? In terms of some of the things he's done, subtle changes, defensive philosophies, um, you know, just the way he approaches the game, the way they've applied their football, the way they've adapted. Yeah, like if you're looking at new age, you're looking at someone like Seabold. If you're looking at old school crazy, you're looking at someone like Des Hasler. But I I would say, all in all, um, Trent Robinson. Yeah, and we talked about it again. Like you want to talk about innovation. It's also effective innovation. Yeah. Like it's worked. And like squad rotation, roster rotation, like the way they play their football, genuinely linking your halves together, having, you know, all those middles 
play that new age style of football and uh, having a pass and footwork and linking together and or just overall and the way they play, their defensive structure and the constant changes in that. He was great in 2013 and the Howard of the Wrestle and the way they defended, the way they would just give away penalties inside 20 and hold on there and back their defensive structures, readjusting their scramble efforts, their cover from inside out. Now, in the new style, straight away that first game that we watched, I said it to you straight away that he'd come up with his own kind of thing again where a lot of teams are getting caught thin trying to cover space and if a six again comes, they just pour up their arc and find space. Mm. The Roosters immediately, when they get Shift anything that even looks like a dead ruck or they're going to get blown apart, would instantly just tighten up and make sure they win the next play of the ball. Yeah. He's changed that defense. You talked about it before, that, that mirror defense. Then they had the one without a player kind of coming up or trying to trap and pull back in. Like just as far as innovation or subtleties or change within their attack, their defense, all phases of the game, you'd have to say Robertson would be the most innovative in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So there you go. But moving on. Tips uh, and anything from last week. We both got seven. So you're now on 69. I'm at 68. We had identical rounds. And let's have a look at these lineups that we talked about before and any changes this week. The first game of the round, Dragons-Roosters. On the Dragons side of things, Corey Norman. Gornsky's, he's been dropped, like we said about that mail there, about him potentially being done at the Dragons and linked to overseas and Widop. Absolute insanity at that club at this point in time, as well as the walls closing on the coach and Flanagan, etc. Uh, yeah, absolutely nuts. But Norman's out. Clune's back in from concussion. Merrin is back after a HIA. Host is off the bench. Aitken named despite a hamstring issue, so he may out late and Norman is still in the reserves he's in 19 for the Roosters Morris is back from a calf issue Satili Tupanua goes back to the back row Nat Butcher back to the bench with the debutant from last week Daniel Fafita out Kyle Flanagan being rested Lachlan Lamb is at halfback and Hutchison Drew Hutchison gets a call up on the bench Jared also named despite uh, only playing 30 minutes last week and having a bit of a calf issue so mm-hmm. interesting again no Boyd Cordner Satili goes back to the back row, but, you know, no Cordner, no Crichton, no Tupo, no Brett, no Radley, we know, and Verrills, those couple of guys. So they have been struggling the last few weeks. The Dragons obviously not consistent across the 80 minutes, but if they're going to get the Roosters in any time, shape or form, this is a pretty good time to get them. Yep. And the bench, in all honesty, hasn't been as great the last few weeks. And if I'm looking at it right now, Puasa made a couple of errors last week. Nat's been okay. Lindsay's been a bit flatter. And Drew Hutchison, even on that side of things, it's not as strong as what it was previously. So no. I'm not going to tip the Dragons. But to be honest, uh, I think the odds with this one should be closer than what I think they're going to be when we have a look. But I'm assuming you're tipping the Roosters as well. Yeah, Roosters. Yeah, I don't think they could be as bad as what they've been three weeks in a row. The odds are still very far apart. I think the start might be... Not a bad idea in this one, but the Dragons four fifty with the bookies a dollar twenty. Ah, uh, the Roosters eleven and a half start you get for two dollars. If that was twelve and a half, I'd probably be more interested. But mm. um, I think the way they're playing, and again, still with those players missing, it might be closer to them than what the bookies are making it out to be. But second one, the early Friday night game, it is the Eagles up against the Warriors, looking to get back to winning ways, and the Warriors uh, four wins now and doing pretty good since COVID. To many people's surprise, but Tavita Funa. He's in for Brad Parker after his head knock at centre and Cade Custer's back now that Dylan Walker's out with that bad foot injury. Again, it could be his season. We don't know. 
for the Warriors. Blake Green now obviously moving on has opened the door for Chanel, Tavita Harris, and other than that, the same side for the Warriors. So again, I think this would be a competitive game, but for Manly, finals are still in their scope, so you've got to win. Yeah, plain and simple. Manly. I think the Eagle, uh, the Warriors will give them all they can handle, but it's a must-win game. Have to win. The Boogies, they agree again. Same odds, a dollar twenty for Manly, four fifty. For the Warriors, 12 flat is the line in this game. Rabbitohs, Broncos on the Rabbitohs side of things, unchanged. And Adam Reynolds is named despite going off last week. They say it's just a burner, so he should be right to go. For the Broncos, though, after some good signs last week, uh, Milford out of the side for a month, potentially the rest of the year if it doesn't get much better with that hamstring injury. But David Fafita. Long-awaited return from injury. Again, it's hard to get excited about this because he has not played a game since round two. It's a long layoff. So oh. his impact, does he play 80? What what sort of mark does he leave in the game? I don't know, but it's a huge ask after a big layoff to come straight back in and play 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brody Croft also returns into the halves. He hasn't exactly been in the best of form, so interesting to see him and Deard and play together. Offer Hengali back to the bench, Bullimore out of the side in this one. What are you thinking, Boxhead? It's up at ANZ. That clash, Bennett, Seabold. Um, jeez, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tip the Broncos. Well, can't say I disagree with you. I'm going to stick with South, but not with a whole lot of confidence. Mm. Um, I'm kind of with you. Now that Staggs is there, I thought Farnworth was excellent last week, and obviously... Today, when initially the news dropped about that video, my first thought was, this is the last thing the Broncos need. Is Stags in trouble? Is he going to be suspended? Is he, you know, God knows what. But when it came out that it uh, obviously came from the, the girls' side of thing, most likely, and he was likely to be cleared and able to play, I thought, well, Christ, that, that's good news for them because that's the last thing they would have needed. Yeah. That him being back for feeder, there were some good signs last week. I don't think got great form at ANZ Stadium, though. No. I, I just think in general, until they get a win... It's hard to tip them. Right. Oh, if they can't win this, then... They needed it last week, I thought, but and it was right there for them. But the bookies, let's see what they have to say about this one. South's heavy favourites again. $1.27, the Broncos, 4 bucks, ten and a half start you get there. So if you like Ladbrokes and you like the start, ten and a half. Ten and a half. I'll two bucks that. you get. So, not bad. First game, kickoff on Saturday, Melbourne Storm up against the Bulldogs and a swag of changes. Brandon Smith starts with Cameron Smith out. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen is being rested. Not really surprised about that. He's been massive, but he gets bashed every week. Mm. Really does for a lightweight. So Nico Hines makes a start at fullback. First game in that position since last year when he debuted against South Sydney. Olam, Justin Olam, returns at centre for Marion Seve, who had surgery on his ear. Riley Jacks and Albert Vette join the bench for the Bulldogs. Offie Ogden moves into the starting side. Katoa starts at hooker. Aiden Tolman and Marshall King benched. And Remus Smith replaces Jack Cogger. On the interchange, sticking with the storm regardless yep. of Cameron Smith not being there and a couple other players, but yeah, sure. yeah, dogs. I'm sure will give them. They've upset the, Melbourne a few times though. The doggies and they do give Melbourne the last drama. decade. Yeah, they certainly turn up and again massive odds. A dollar twelve for the storm, six dollars for the dogs. Fourteen and a half start. So if you think those mm. changes will affect Melbourne and the dogs can at least make it a tight one, mm. you don't get a bad start there. Critical one for two of these teams, one to stay in the eight, one to stay in touch with the eight. Newcastle up against the Tigers. Oh, and for the Knights, tough game. could not have come at a better time. Blake Green 
comes over deadline day, starts at 5'8", man shifts to hooker in place of Randall who drops out. Had a bad head knock last week. Bradman Best is out. Moga has been dropped. Shibasaki and Stafford Toa are in the centers. And, oh, sorry, Tuala shifts in. Stafford Toa goes to the wing. And Brody Jones replaces Sami Solo, who's been suspended. Where's Schwain Jr. playing? Centers? Schwain is in the centers. If anyone hasn't seen Angry Boys with Chris Lee, that little afro, he just reminded me of the character Smouse Shibasaki. Mm. So. Yeah, a couple of changes there. I'm, I'm not sure you're able to watch that anymore, eh? Didn't no. they get taken off? It's gone. That's ridiculous. For the Tigers, a massive changes again. So, hooker Harry Grant is obviously out. Twal, he's out injured after one game back or two games back now. He's got a rib injury. Mbai shifts into nine. Eisenhuth is back at lock. Tommy Talao moves into the centres. Asu Kapoa, their new recruit they got this week from the Roosters, is on the wing for his debut. Leilua returns from suspension. Christian Lawrence goes back to the bench. Brooks is back starting in the halves. Billy Walters is dropped to the bench. Packer's back from suspension. Sam McIntyre starts in the second row. And Luke Garner's been dropped. So I'm going to tip the Knights. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Knights. And it's at Newcastle. They owe this one. They owe this one to the Fiends. And the people. The Newcastle fiends. The last game they turned up, dude, they dished up well, a shit sandwich against the Bulldogs. That may be as wet as that game as well because there's a bit of rain predicted. It's supposed so. to be around. But, yeah, swag of changes for the Tigers. Um, and, yeah, for Newcastle, green, I think, might be the steadying influence they need. So we're both on the Knights, and they are favourites at $1.70. $2.15 for the Tigers, plus 3.5 is the line. So yeah. tight one for the bookies. And the Saturday night cracker, Panthers against the Raiders. The Raiders a bit road-weary, been in some battles the last few weeks, and Panthers coming off a nice big win. Uh, as far as them, the only change, Staines obviously strained that hamstring, so Malachi with Teens Lesniak comes in on the wing and looking at the reserves, there's still no Farre. Uh, and, yeah, so he won't be back in that spot, I guess, for the time being, or anywhere in that back line. Looking at anyone else for any other late changes? Probably not unless they debuted another debutant, Dane Laurie, on the wing. Would you see that? Or mm, Potentially. Potentially. Is he more of a fullback? Similar deal again? Nah. I don't know if that'll happen, but... More an OB, I think. That's the only change for them. The Raiders, Nickel Klogstad is apparently going to be back, but he's been named, but from what I heard today from a couple of people... Uh, got to get through some stuff this week to prove that hand's all good before he can play. Yeah. Rapana shifts back to the wing, which would be convenient if Nickel Klogstad is ready to go because the new debutant winger they've had the last few weeks, Valamai, is out for at least three to four weeks with a hamstring injury. So there you go. Still can't catch a break, the old Raiders. But it's at Penny Park and they're flying high. I'll be going with the Panthers. Yeah, Panthers. Hopefully we get a good contest. These two generally have had good games the last few years. Yeah. We've been to a few crackers, but... Um, I think, yeah, the Raiders have been through some tough battles. I, I didn't think they needed another heavyweight at this point in time, and unfortunately, I think that's what they're coming into. And the bookies agree. Dollar fifty for the Panthers, two seventy-five for the Raiders, plus six and a half the line. And Sunday, the two games, we kick off with the first one. Your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, up against the Cowboys. Sam Lasone returns on the bench in place of Sam Stone in the only change for the Cowboys. Michael Morgan. Finally back from a shoulder injury. Clifford drops out of the side. Hampton keeps his spot at 5-8. Opachak returns from injury at centre. Justin O'Neill goes to the wing. Murray Tualungi out of the side. Josh Maguire back from suspension. 
Molo back to the bench, and Jake Granville and Emery Perre have been caught up for games on the interchange. Mitch Dunn starts in the back row with Shane Wright, Gavin Cooper, and John Asiata all out of the side. So, again, a swagger changes for the Cowboys. What do you reckon? I'm going to tip the Titans. Titans, They've played fantastic the last two weeks. And it is at Seabus as well. So, going back home. I'm going to go the Cows, not with a whole lot of confidence, purely because Morgan's back, but... There's a fair few changes there, and I'm kind of with you. If, if your mob turn up and are consistent again and put that effort in that they did against the Roosters, I don't see any reason why they don't win um, and maybe win well, especially with the, the way they attacked last week, moving the ball a little bit earlier. I really liked it, but the odds with this one, $2.15 for the Gold Coast Titans, so you get the outside value if you like it. $1.70 for the Cowboys, plus 2.5, the line there. Mm. Talking plus. about the Raiders, they, um, they've only got two top eight sides after this week. Well, with the Panthers. If they can jag another win, which they've won a couple during this tough period, and they can stay healthy, they're they run nice, home. Nice run home. Should be good for them. But the last one of the round good should be a good game. Sharks up against Parramatta. Sharky's getting to play one of these top eight sides again after a pretty good run. Josh Dugan returns. This is the third time he's been named to play his 200th NRL game, but he's been pulled out twice. Jesse Raymond's supposed to return this week as well. Good timing with the injury to Jackson Ferris, who's injured and suspended. It's a C for Talakai. Starts in the second row after the outstanding form he's shown, and I'm not surprised. And Britt Nakora has been dropped. Yeah, he hasn't been very quiet this year. Mm. Very quiet. So John Morris not afraid to fire one across the bow there and do the right thing and pick the player in form. I think Talakai has been excellent. He has been. Matty Moylan returns in the halves in place of Braden Trindle. So there you go. There was word that he was still a while off, but Matty Moylan in at six with Sean Johnson. Trindle straight back out of the side and Tracy... Keeps that spot on the bench. Um, Kennedy at fullback, Dugan, Ramian. I'm going to go the upset. I'm going to I'm going to tip the Sharkies. No, well. I tip the Eels. It's. I think the Eels after their loss last week. I know they didn't lose, but they treated as a loss. Yeah. They'll bounce back hard, and I'm still not overly convinced on Cronulla. I'm convinced on them being a top eight, so I'm not convinced on them. No, nah, I'm top with four you. Side. I'm just. I think the top four is significantly further ahead than the rest. I think their middles are good, but Madison missing again uh, is a big thing for me. Ray Stone comes in to replace Takarangi on the bench, but yeah, I don't know. Just... Where's that? Cogra? Yeah, net strata. Mm. I, I just think the patches See, in that, the game... That's interesting because they haven't played good footy away from home, have they? I think the dogs like, the dogs last week drag themselves back in. I think the Sharks have got a lot more strike. They get a lot more strike. They also can leak points as well, but there's one thing they can do, and if Parramatta fall in any sort of rut or give any opportunities like they did last week to the Bulldogs, they'll end up with points put on them. Yeah. 100%. But um, full strength basically besides Madison, but they're in a bit of a rut, and I think the Sharks are looking for a big scalp. So I'm going to take the outsider again, not with a lot of confidence, but uh, interested to see what happens here. If, if Parramatta are the quality side they are, they should get this win. Yeah. So looking at the tips... We're basically uniform across the board, but the last two. You've gone the Titans, why I've gone with the Cows, and you've gone the Eels, I've gone the Sharks. Did you go the Broncos? No, it's South, there you go. So you I went the Broncos. So we've got three different this week. I really hope they win. I was Devo for them last week. At the same time, I was happy the way that the Sharks won for Morris and with the changes, and I thought they played did well to get back in there. But mm. I thought if Brisbane could have jagged that win last week, Come into this week with Milford not being injured. Get Fafita hopefully back finally. It would have been a good springboard into South. That would have been good. Mm. But, um, yeah, the body language afterwards. 
how they carry themselves this week, I don't know, but they looked as devastated after that loss as they have of any of the losses. So yeah. I'll expect some hate mail this week, actually. I left Manly out of my power ranking, so <laughs> there'll be some hate mail following I out. said last week they were a chance for an upset, maybe. I tipped Penrith. Yeah, I know. I, I, was that, the, I was the only one, even at school, then the they boys got going, oh, mate, Manly are a big chance. So they'll get hammered. Anyway. There you go. I think Penrith are just flying at the moment. And that's not a slot on Manly. I just think Penrith are flying. Flying. I think they're flying, mate. A dead set think that there's a chance now that Cash is out of the picture. The Penrith Panthers. Old Hoopsie. Premiership window. Good good times. (laughs) Ah, shit, yeah. He's an absolute superstar. It is hard to argue, Vaughn. Yeah. He loves a Vaughn. <laughs> He's got that laugh on him as well. He rounds it, rounds the oh. premiership. You got to round it out there. Got to round it out. But I don't know, mate. For everybody out there, again, I hope you're doing well. If we've got any listeners down in Victoria, it's hit stage four. It's a hard time. I hope you're staying safe. In all seriousness, it's- hopefully a few people find us in the the dark depths of stage four isolation. I don't know how I don't know how single, like male or female, are doing that. Like living by yourself for six weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it'd be it'd be fucking hard. That's yeah, for sure. No good. I remember when I was in Canberra and I was twenty, and my roommate went after he got injured. And I think the first day or two, I was kind of like, "This is weird." After about a week of being on my own, I was like, "Yeah, this is not cool." Eh? Hmm. And that was when I was still training and socialising during the day. Yeah. But just going back to an apartment or a house on your Pat Malone or. Yeah, I didn't really find it that great. No, it's no so, with no work, no stimulation, nothing. Well, that's the other thing. Like people are losing their jobs, and yeah, it's crazy. It's so. an absolute shit fight down there at the moment. So, anyone, hopefully, things improve quickly. Yeah, like we said, anyone if you're listening down there, or anyone who's got family, friends, anyone involved with that, we hope it's my favourite city in Australia. They I get through them. it. Six weeks in stage four lockdown to try and get on top Old of Old Duna Dan this outbreak and. Uh, Sydney so far we're lucky they're doing a pretty good job with the people tracing the cases have stayed in the teens and the 20s and it's been yeah. three or four weeks now so they've still kind of got a good having been hold around on some it. shopping centres in the last month yeah, it's a worry particularly fortnight poor. there's and not a lot of social distancing on the weekend on. I think Melbourne and Sunshine Coast were issued a bit of a please explain for the hill being loaded at that well game, but... fairly so too it was it was poor form not a good look. I don't know how that comes about. I don't really know how Anastasia, control your state. Whatever the attendance was, they said they had the But we shut the there. border. Mate, your problems are internal, not external. Yeah. Crazy. But again, everyone out there, stay safe. Hope everyone's doing well. If you are down in uh, Victoria, again, take care of yourselves. Hopefully everything works out all good and you can overcome it. And fingers crossed for Queensland, New South Wales, everywhere else that we can stay on top of it and not have a... Mm. A lockdown again. I don't want to go back into that shit. It sucked. Correct. It was terrible. But for everybody, hit us up. Audio boom. iTunes. Rate. Review us. If you want to talk to us, ask us any questions, send it through. If there's anything we've missed, again, feel free to inbox us on any of those platforms. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Big thank you, as always, just for supporting us, listening to us. and um, Yeah, I think it's been another pretty good year on the show, considering some weird times, some changes with COVID and work and... (sighs) 
life situations. We've been ticking along still. It's been a good year, man. And uh, again... We're close those, to show 300, I think. We'll have to have a look we'll at that. We'll have to have a look, yeah. For those who asked the other week about game companions, trying to line that up. I've got weekend work again this weekend, so yeah. probably won't be happening, but we'll try to get a couple done before the season is out. Done. So, there you go. Another week in the bag. Fingers crossed for another crack around of football, and we're almost into the nitty-gritty. We're not too far off getting towards finals box yet. Yep. It's coming fast. Yep, yep, yep. Enjoy your week, everyone, and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.